I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. Level with us. Hello and welcome to the show where we have a cozy game discussion just about every week. This week, we are talking about a game we have waited so, so long for. This is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. This is the sequel to Breath of the Wild, which came out in 2017. Really amazing Zelda game. One of my favorite games of all time. And we finally have a sequel. And we're going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spoiler warning for what's ahead. We're not going to be talking about any story spoilers. We will be talking about the basic gameplay. So we'll talk about the abilities you have, and we will talk about some early game areas that you're in, including the tutorial, as well as a a very, very big section of the game that you find out in the the first few hours of the game. So if you want to experience that yourself before coming back, go for it. But that is the plan. And then next time, we will do a full-on spoiler discussion talking about what we thought of the story, some of the surprises we encountered throughout the game. Um, Today is more going to be about our first impressions. So you like Breath of the Wild, right? (laughs) I I don't want to be like gatekeeper-y, but like if people listening to this podcast haven't played Breath of the Wild... You're missing out. And and they call themselves a gamer. I'm just joking. No, it's almost universally beloved. And this is one of those rare times where the sequel is just as good, if not better, than something that was already, like, almost perfect in terms of the, you know, critical cultural eye. Right. But yeah, should, should we start by giving, like, the, the, just the basics of what this is? Or do we assume everyone already knows that? Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I don't know. If people tuning into this, I, I most of them are Nintendo fans that are listening. So... Yeah, I mean, I think most people are aware, but yeah, this is a direct sequel to the first open-world Zelda game. So this is something of an oddity in a lot of ways, where we are in the exact same Hyrule that we explored to death in Breath of the Wild, but they've added a few new things, and they've changed the overworld in certain ways. And I want to get this off my chest right away. When I was playing, I was a little disappointed that I knew where everything was, at least in the broad strokes, right? I knew where Hateno Village was, I knew where Kakariko was, Death Mountain, you know, I'm, I'm, I've played so much Breath of the Wild that I'm very aware of where all the landmarks are. On the other hand, I really appreciate that I know this world because I, like, instantly know when something's different. Uh, I'm, I've been surprised many times where I've gone somewhere that I remembered from, a, like, a side quest or something and see, like, oh, what? Oh, this is here now? Oh, weird. Oh, interesting. And I get to see how the world has changed. I actually get to follow up with characters that I really liked from the first game and see what they're up to because this takes place presumably a few years later. So on the one hand, I kind of wish this was like a brand new world to explore. But on the other, I don't know if I'll ever get to experience this again where I'm revisiting the world uh, after a time skip and, you know, obviously with the story a few events have happened that have also altered the world in interesting ways uh would love your take on that what 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 do you think yeah of them reusing the overworld and obviously there's more than just the overworld which we'll we'll dig into in a minute but 
Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, as far as there being the same overworld, I think that the excitement of discovery is less discovering something new and discovering something changed. It kind of reminds me of in Skyward Sword, you go to these different areas, but you go back to a forest and it's flooded now. So even though you're familiar with the, the terrain, the intrigue comes from the fact that it's now been made more unfamiliar. So this is like taking that and expanding it to just this crazy degree where if you want to, you can pick a very small patch of land and if you're very familiar with it from Breath of the Wild, you can see every change that was made there and also kind of gain story insights from it. So I think that's fascinating. I also think that, you know, it would have been cool to go to a new Hyrule, but I think it's even cooler to be able to continue these storylines and feel like things that happened in the last game, even some of the like side quests of the last game mattered, you know, like we, we see th how things have changed. And the worlds that you were alluding to, if you don't mind us diving right into those, yeah. um, are the sky islands above and the depths below. Yes. And I think that both of those were very unique feeling places and completely new to the game. Uh, what did you think of those spots? Yes, I, they're great. They're, they're awesome. I, I, like I said, I can appreciate the changes to the overworld in some ways, there's certain gameplay elements and things that have been kind of remixed, where it's kind of like a remix of the first game in some ways. But then when I'm on these sky islands, and in the depths especially, it feels completely foreign to me, uh, which is kind of that feeling I've been, you know, aching for ever since 2017, because it was so magical to not know where anything was before. But now, yeah, they, these, I mean, also, they're just massive, like the depths an entire overworld map below the overworld. Like that has a lot of verticality in it and it's really spooky and scary and it's dark and you have to light it up yourself. Just incredible. This is where this game feels like a sequel to me. And also it's just so much content, right? Like I feel like I've barely scratched anything and I've played this game for many hours now. It feels a lot like, I think you said this, it felt kind of like Elden Ring. Yeah. Where you just have a big scary area with really difficult right. enemies. Well, they had an underworld type place in Elden Ring as well. I just didn't expect it in a Zelda yeah. game. And it's, I, I love it. It's yeah. great. You know, you said that it was kind of overwhelming to oh, have, yeah. or at least there was just so much content. I think that the primary overwhelmingness of this sequel to me comes in the form of the, the powers that you're given, the capabilities you're given, because the options of what you can do with them are just off the charts there's so many possibilities and it really does feel like a love letter to the fans where they were kind of like oh you like to exploit our physics engine in breath of the wild well how about let's give you just a dozen more types of tools of how to break the game of how to make really interesting interactions between elements and enemies and objects i also like that all of your powers are different in this game just because it helps solidify the identity of both yeah. games like i can still go back to breath of the wild and play around with those powers right that aren't in this one but this one you know well let's go over them like ultra hand obviously is the star of the show here this is the power that lets you glue objects together and not just metal ones just pretty much anything that's loose in the world that isn't like living you can fuse together or glue together i guess 
and there's different interactions with that, especially with the physics. There's a lot of shrines with puzzles that involve gluing things together, uh, which I'm not very good at. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a little... Um, it's an acquired skill. I would definitely yes. say my, the first bridge I built... My fiance laughed at me because she thought it looked just ugly. <laughs> but hey, I've gotten it, better. If it works, it works. Right, yeah. I'm all about pragmatism. Like, a, a good example of this is there's a dude who's trying to hold up these stands um, across Hyrule. And you figure out pretty yes. quickly that you need to build, like, support structures around it through beams. And there's usually kind of, like, an intended solution. You know, like, a place to slot in a beam, like a 2 by 4 but I, I sometimes ended up just gluing them in like these weird, like abstract art positions with each other, but <laughs> right. just around the sign. So when you let go of the sign, it anyway, it, I, I appreciate that it can be ugly, but functional to do all those things. Yes. Yeah. I, and that guy cracks me up. I just find him shivering in the middle of a, a forgotten wastes of just snow everywhere i'm like dude why why are you standing here with this His sign? loyalty no is around. off the charts he really cares about bolson construction you know yeah i can't help but help him out um but yeah I, he's very funny yeah and then obviously i don't know if you've looked online at the insane creations people have made you know i'm steering clear of some of them like obviously i've i've run ran into some but i I see all the pieces and I can uh, put the pieces together, metaphorically, so to speak. Like, clearly these objects, primarily the, the Zonai, uh, Zonai devices, like fans and flamethrowers and stuff like that, are geared towards making vehicles. So I can yes. only imagine what kind of behemoth, bruiser, you know, juggernauts people have been made online. They've, they've full-on made just basically planes trains and automobiles you know just just <laughs> crazy uh tanks and orbitals laser cannons that levitate on their own and and just insane insane mech suits and and just crazy engineering feats i even saw someone make a dog petting machine by uh strapping up a a a, a pulley system to a a tire that would spin and would move a bacoblin arm to mm -hmm. pet a dog or, or something awesome. like that I read a comment that was like, yeah, the last game was all about trick shots for the pro players. This game's about engineering. Yeah, and I, I love that a lot of places you can really just get to if you have a good enough vehicle and the game doesn't punish you for that. It doesn't like have invisible walls that say, no, you were supposed to walk here or no, you were supposed to do this. It's like <laughs> there was actually one time where I spent like... 30 minutes to an hour trying to get to the very specific sky island and then i discovered it was a place that i could be teleported to uh by by like a a construct or something but the game didn't stop me from doing that it let me waste my time and you know achieve great heights traversal is clearly very forgiving i mean it already felt game breaking to have breath of the wild introduce yeah you can climb any surface you want and you can paraglide off of any surface, so there's no fall damage. That felt like as free as it can be. But in this game, like you can dive off of floating islands, and you can ascend through things. That's another power we can talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, ascend, which is one of my favorites, actually, where as mm -hmm. long as you have a ceiling, you can go straight up through the that, mm -hmm. through any surface, pretty much. 
Um, so if you're in a cave, which there's lots of caves in this game, which I love, love mm-hmm. exploring caves. It's so fun, especially in familiar areas. That I'm like, oh, whoa, there's actually like stuff under here. You can get back to the surface real quick. It, there's mm-hmm. also tons of puzzles around it where you have right. to basically create a ceiling or make a ceiling in order to ascend through it and right. higher ground, right? You know, this power gets my award for requires most brain adjustment to understanding. <laughs> like, it happens so many times where I'm like, well, there's no clear way to get up there. Like, clearly the game wants me to do something, and I have no clue. And I'm like, oh, it's it's the power <laughs> that does one thing that I keep forgetting about. And in addition to that, there is also the fuse power, which is also a favorite of mine. Um, essentially, it's just allowing you to attach any object to your shield or to your sword or to an arrow. And um, that is very fun because sometimes you find a wacky combination that you didn't expect that ends up working really well. Like you could just put a spear on another spear and you have an extra long spear, which is very funny. And looks or, dorky. Yeah. Right. Or you could, you know, I've had. Bacalbans attack me with a mushroom on the end of their spear and it goes boing boing when they try and stab you with it. Yeah. Very clever on the developer's part to have enemies that use certain combinations of weapons. Because if you don't figure out, oh, gluing an icicle to the end of the stick makes a freezy weapon, then there are plenty of enemies that will stab you with one. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I can do that too. Right. Yeah. And I, I, there's so many I haven't tried out that I'm sure there's some some hidden mechanics that I'm not aware of. But at least for now, what this adds to me is basically all the enemies now have like different horns on their head and stronger enemies have stronger horns. And those horns can, after you defeat them, can be attached to your weapon. And when they attach, they make your weapon way stronger and more durable because there is breakable weapons in this game, which some people don't like. I personally think it's great. It makes you improvise. And even more so now, right? Because mm-hmm. now I actually, I want to fight even more than I ever did before. Before you clear out a camp, you might get a chest, but that's it. There's no experience. You collect a few horns to help upgrade your armor later, I guess. But now it's like, oh man, I want to go after that silver bacoblin because its horn is going to do massive damage when right. I attach it to my sword. Uh, which is great. It just incentivizes yeah. that style of play. It feels good. It feels good. Yeah. Uh, question for you. Mm-hmm. In regards to the shield, what do you usually fuse to it? I find myself often forgetting that I can use the shield to fuse things. But it's a, a moment I loved is I was just like in the shower and I was like, huh, sp- the springy devices. I wonder if I could attach one of those to the shield. And I love that I kind of like when there was the game trailer where it, it was said, you know, I bet you're probably thinking, oh, if you can do that, you can do this. And that was my experience because I just thought of it. And then I went in the game and maybe it's fairly obvious, but it made a little springboard out of my shield. I loved that. But my favorite shield fuse is gluing a mine cart to the shield. Okay. I was going to ask if you had tried that because Mariah suggested it to me. And then I try it, and now it is like my favorite way to travel, especially in the depths, because yeah. you can coast over the gloom and it doesn't affect you. Oh, that's so smart. But yeah, it's like a straight-up skateboard, having your minecart on that. That's so cool. Have you tried doing a rocket to your shield? Yes. Uh-huh. If you hold your shield out, you'll go blasting upward. It's kind of a one-time-use thing. Or if you shield surf on it, you'll go blasting no, forward. No, I have not done that yet. <laughs> 
Yeah, it doesn't last long, but it is very fun when it happens. So again, like <laughs> I said, there's I'm sure so many other combinations. I'm excited to learn them all. Um, and then the last power is recall, which lets themes go backwards through time. And similar to stasis in the last game, I don't know how to use it all the time. Sometimes I f- that's the one I forget about a lot. But like you can basically every object it remembers its trajectory. So if you hold something and move it yourself and then recall it, it will follow that path. So you can make moving platforms, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, for yourself, which I think is really fascinating. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around a little right. bit, as most time travel things are. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, there, there, was one, there was one shrine where a ball was supposed to hit a target, like, hard, and I couldn't figure out how it wanted me to do it. So what I did was I just, like, ultra-handed the ball right up next to it and then pulled it away. And then I reversed time so it went forward towards it. And it worked. I don't know how they That's intended awesome. me to do it, but it was fun. That's how I am with a lot of these puzzles. I'm like, well, I'm not sure the intended solution but I, I figured out a way around it. Oh and I think that's the intention, right? Is yeah. multiple, you know, the only boundary is your creativity and imagination in, in certain cases. Yeah. Oh man, I need to tell you about my most frustrating shrine. Okay. So it it's it was a minecart one and I had happened to have a minecart on my shield. So like the first two or three challenges, I was like easy skateboarding <laughs> money. And then the last bit, it had two tracks that go up that don't have any end they just fall off and then a middle track so i think the idea is you're supposed to ride two platforms up then ultra hand one to be on the new track and then hop to that one and then go around it i honestly don't know how that's even possible but i tried for about 45 minutes and finally my solution was so janky i got very close but then the minecart fell off but the wood was like dangling on the bar wow but since i was on it i couldn't like ultra hand fix it back on the track so i was like literally sweating being like all right all right all right (laughs) i think what i ended up doing is i like made a little campfire on my (laughs) on the wood something like that and like you know made a wind gust out of it and then landed on a bar and very carefully skateboarded my way to the end. I anyway, I I really don't think I solved it the way I was supposed to, but I felt validated in that I solved it nonetheless. That's amazing. What's really impressive to me is how little jank there is. I just it feels like these things are ripe for like glitches, you know. And, and maybe there is, but I, I every time I've like thought of doing something, I've more or less gotten it to work the way I thought it would without it just falling apart um and and granted there's certain things that i have trouble with like i've really a hard time attaching wheels for some reason wheels to a a a platform or a glider is is hard for me to get just right but anytime i've tried to attack a puzzle with something i envisioned it usually works and i'm not even that creative of a person but it does feel rewarding when it pulls off the one notable exception is when i uh there is a Korok puzzle. There's these puzzles in the game where you have to bring a little Korok to his buddy um, who was across the way. This one was on an island. So I had to bring him across a huge, huge gap to get him to his friend on the island uh, from from the mainland. And so I there was a glider nearby. So I'm like, okay, sweet. This is obvious. Put the glider down, put some fans on it. 
I'm like, okay, we're ready. I, I fuse him to it. So he's attached. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get the glider moving. I didn't have like a track. But what I did was I tried to put it really, really close to the edge of the cliff. So I could just get it to kind of teeter off. Because as soon as it went off, I knew it would be fine. And I did that, but then I didn't get on it fast enough. So I just watched this helpless little Korok tumble <laughs> several hundred stories and then land in the ocean face down. So I might have just watched a Korok drown that day. Very um, sad. And that Pour is one out uh, for the forever in <laughs> my memory now. But yeah, very creative title. If you're after experimentation and freedom of playing around with like the physics, basically the sandboxy elements of Breath of the Wild. If you liked those things, this has definitely surpassed the original in allowing you to come up with so many different solutions to so many different things. This game is has so much verticality in the world design that it encourages you to figure out how to traverse it and, and it gives you so many options, uh, which is awesome. So I'm excited to, to talk more about this game with you once we've played through the whole game, kind of talked about the the levels themselves the story moments and the the dungeons so that'll be really fun but yeah any other any other thoughts on tears of the kingdom general thoughts nope but i've uh got a star piece if you want it please star pieces is the part of the show where we highlight a cool little detail or something we found in our game that we really enjoy or something we just generally like so please go ahead i'm a fan of whenever the creator's hand gently guides you so this is more just a general principle of game design but i loved that there would be like a new object that i'd never seen before and like i don't even understand how to use this or why i would want to use this oh but there's a shrine nearby and you go into the shrine and it's like tutorial on how to use that object and it feels so fulfilling to leave that shrine and be like now i understand how you know, fill in the blank works. And now I understand that there's another secret right over there that's going to reward me for being able to get. Um, so, so those were some of Armed my favorite with moments. knowledge. Exactly. Like it's, I think it's awesome that for an open world game like this, open everything game like this, the, the main gates are knowledge gates. You know, you don't know to do this yet. But once you know to do it, you can do it everywhere. Absolutely. That's cool. Can you think of a specific? I, 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 no, you're right. Because I think there's been at least two or three times where I saw some parts lying around and I had no idea what they did. I mean, like I an example is like stabilizers. Like you hit them and they stand straight up. And oh, I yeah. had no yeah. idea how to use those. But then uh, the shrine puzzle nearby has a couple of interesting ways of using them. One of them being as a catapult. And then you yeah. go back out and you're like, oh, Hey, I know what to do with this. Yeah, um, the, Nintendo is so good at teaching you without saying very much, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, especially like with the tutorials, just kind of letting you explore as you learn it. Uh, I think is such a such a great way to learn a game. Because um, I, I just want to start playing as soon as possible, you know, mm-hmm. instead of reading a, a gazillion text blocks about how this RPG system works or whatever. Uh, cool. Yeah, great start piece. Uh, I have a couple. They kind of all encompass one thing, though, and that is the sound design in this game. Uh, as an audio engineer, I really appreciate all of the new sounds that they've added, and I, I ended up... I, I didn't read this entire interview because I didn't want to be spoiled on the game, but I read a little snippet from an interview 
where the developers said they replaced the sound system entirely. Like, apparently, in the last game, ambience tracks just play. When you're in an area, you might hear, like, birds. This game, they object-placed all of those things. So if wow. you are near some trees, you might hear birds. If you go close to those trees, you will hear the birds louder. And that's a, like a dynamic theme, a dynamic system that wasn't in the last game. And I've noticed it, especially when I'm standing next to a cow, because boy, they make really, really loud noises <laughs> when I'm standing next to And in fact, all the animals, I'm like, I don't remember hearing these. I've seen these animals in the last game. I don't remember them making that sound, uh, at least not this loudly. And uh, horses too. I think the horses have been reworked because I've seen their lips go... And I didn't see that in the last game. I could be completely wrong on this, but I swear they changed the animal noises. All that to say, I think the sound design is great. I award it my star piece, as well as one other little detail, and that is the songs that Link hums to himself as he cooks. Have you noticed these? I haven't noticed them, but someone pointed it out to me recently. I'm pretty sure they're all from other Zelda games, or at least some of them are. Uh... One of them was the Ballad of the Windfish, or a little brief snippet of it, um, which is just lovely. Yeah, I love little details like that. It makes me want to not skip that cutscene ever. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the main reason I've missed them is because I usually skip through his cooking animations. Yeah, slow down and enjoy the the, the ingredients roasting a little longer, <laughs> and you, you'll you will be rewarded. I promise you. But for every star piece, there is also a quick jab. And jab, jab. This is our chance to talk about something we didn't like so much about the game, usually minor complaints, because even if we love a game to death, there's always, you know, something that bugs you. So, uh, this one's pretty minor, but (laughs) there's a lot of characters I met in the last game, and they don't remember Link at all in this game, and that bugs me. I'm like, dude, I helped you before. Like, I, I, maybe canonically Link didn't do that side quest or something, but occasionally I'll be like, oh, hey, it's Bolson. And he'll be like, oh, hi, I'm Bolson. I'm like, what? But you don't you don't remember me? Like, I, I met you before. <laughs> Doesn't everyone in Hyrule know who Link is? Now, there a are lot a lot of, of characters do. that do recognize right. you. There are some who will be like, oh, hey, you know, how have you been since you, you know, saved everyone? And, you know, it's nice when they do recognize you, um, especially in some of the main town areas. But uh, occasionally I did recognize someone from a side quest or a mini game and they would reintroduce themselves, and that just bugged me just a little bit. Uh, even though I, I recognize there are new players who didn't play the first game who are probably playing this one, because this one had a massive hype train, massive release. It's huge. And it's really fun to play a game alongside everyone else. Right. It's like a big book club. Sorry, but I went on a tangent there. Uh, what is your quick jab? Um, to my knowledge, you can't pet dogs zero stars. Ah, uh, yes. And it is very disappointing. That's the... Like... Why the would only, you not have that? <laughs> yeah, that that's the only reason I'm like sad about it. I wasn't sad about it in the last game besides like I heard some people be like, oh, I wish you could pet dogs and became like a whole meme that different games will let you pet the dog and others right. won't. Um, it's just the fact that if it really does feel like so much of the things that they did differently or better were direct kind of responses to different things fans wanted or things that fans did. So considering that was something that I feel like got some, if mostly meme traction, you know, it it was said by people. I'm surprised that it wasn't added. It is a thing where it's like, you could just add a button and have a little animation, you know, it wouldn't, 
I don't know, maybe that would be too time in intensive to add, but it feels like such a shame because they're such good boys chasing their little tails around. You can still feed them That's and they'll good. lead you to treasure. But yeah. With that, we are on to our final segment, which is who's the fake fan? Fake fan. This is the quiz portion of our podcast where we try and stump each other with nerdy trivia questions about the game we played. Who would you like to go first? Uh, I can. All right. This is just some like specific knowledge. <laughs> so, uh, but I think it's something that you might be able to guess if right. you haven't encountered it. Okay. Light spoilers, not for story, um, but just a, one detail. Where does Zelda hide her present of a new tunic for Link? That would. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is, I guess, like a side quest spoiler, but. Um... If you go in the well by Link's house, I believe she says it's in the throne room yep. of the castle. Yep, that's what I'm looking for. Have you gone there and picked it up yet? Not yet. I'm on my way. Uh, I Mariah went to the castle. I, I kind of want to save the castle for late in my playthrough because it's big and scary. And, you know, that's kind of what I did last game. But I really want that tunic. So maybe I'll go there soon as well. Uh, okay, great. Well, for my question for you... We're going to play a little game called Which Object Adds More Damage? Oh boy. All right. Not a very catchy title. Maybe I could think of something a little more clickbaity, but I'm going to tell you three different pairs of items. You have to tell me which one adds more damage to your weapon. This is called Fuse Power. Which one adds more damage to your weapon when you fuse it to the tip of your weapon? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So the very first one is either a frozen Lizalfos horn or a boss Bokoblin horn. When you say frozen, do you mean ice breath? It's from an ice, yes, it's from an ice Lizalfos okay. specifically, not silver, icy. Okay, because I remember the ice ones being pretty high, so even though it feels more right for a boss one to, to have more damage, so I'm going to guess the Lizalfos one. Correct. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised too, because those b boss bokoblins have a lot of health. But yeah, frozen Lizalfos horn is quite good. Uh, here is your next one: uh, Nadra's claw or black Horriblin horn. All right, I've never, I haven't acquired the claw yet, so I don't actually know what the number is for that. A Horriblin, what was it? A black Horriblin horn. The fact that you're saying black makes me think that it's the strongest variety. I don't know that for sure. So I guess I'll guess that. That is correct. Oh, yay. Nadra's claw comes from a dragon, so I, you know, you would I, I was hoping you would assume it was more. Well, but, it um, it was another case of the mind games of you would think that dragon would have the strongest. Yeah. Well, well, believe it or not, oh, black is not the strongest enemy. Silver oh, really? is. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. silver is. But black is pretty strong. My favorite item is the black bokoblin horns. They look like little tridents. So I'll put oh, yeah. it on the end mm. of my spears and it, it works great. It's That's super awesome. Strong. Uh, last one. A red bokoblin fang or an egg. I'm going to say, trick question, they give you equal fuse. No, but you can guess again. I want it to be the egg, so I'll guess 
the egg. I'm afraid that's incorrect. Oh. But I feel like you knew that as you said it. So yeah, you basically I think I did. this challenge. <laughs> oh, whatever. It w- wouldn't it be funny, though, if an egg... <laughs> wouldn't it be funny, though? <laughs> wouldn't it be funny, even though it breaks the second you hit it? Um, oddly enough, like, Bokoblin arms... Uh, sorry, stall Bokoblins, whatever the skeleton enemies, their arms, if you attach that to up and it adds, like, 28 damage or something. It's crazy, but it breaks Super really strong. quickly. Yeah. So, well done. You aced it. Hooray. Not Thank really. you for talking about Zelda with me. Yeah, this is the I first like time game. we've really talked at length about the game, even though I'm sure we've both spent hours experiencing what we all are experiencing together. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's great. I They did such a good job adding, I, I don't want to just say adding content, because that could mean anything, adding more distractions, I guess, like uh-huh. really just kind of feeding into that whole thing in the last mm-hmm. game where it's like, I'm going to go that direction. Oh, but I can do this on the way. Yeah. To the point where it even feels a little bit to me like those other open world games that have a sea of icons. I know it's it's different, but it could be one place and see glowing red, glowing green, glowing blue, and an interesting mountain all in the and same that's shot. just on the overworld. There's underground. You've still got five things you still need to do down there. Right. And then you've marked up your... You know, I have the icon problem in this game, except I'm the one who put all the icons Right. Down. I have over 100 icons on my map right now of things I still need to do that I haven't yep. done yet. Yep. Just crazy. And I keep thinking like, okay, I'm finally going to do the story. I'm finally going to do this story mission. And then three hours later, I'm like, oh yeah, I was going to do that story mission. Right. Because I just wanted to go upgrade my armor real quick and go do this side quest real quick because that showed up on the way. It's crazy. It's good, though. It feels good. It feels good to have a game that has legs. You know, it's like, wow, we're going to play this game for quite a while. And it was such a long wait. <laughs> we get a Zelda game every six years. Right. 3D Zelda game, at least. It was worth the wait. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And uh, I am as well. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. We will be back soon with another podcast where we go more in depth on all the spoilery things we enjoyed about this game. But until then, I'm Jared. I'm Marcus. And we'll level with you next time. love to hear your thoughts on the game and feature them on our next episode of the show. So, if you have an interesting story about something that happened in Tears of the Kingdom to you, or if you have a star piece or quick jab, go ahead and write us at levelwithuspodcast at gmail.com.